White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 784. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. Live from the gallery with our view... It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, and I am joined as always by my co-host, Andy Fix, who is back from the dead like John Sheridan. He's back <laughs> from Zahadoom and ready to roll with only the occasional cough to mar his otherwise sparkling visit tonight. And you're alive. I, I usually say, how are you, Andy? But I kind of know how you are, which is you're in recovery mode from from like something that the Drock came up with, I'm thinking. Right. I, I I suffered from the Drock flu. I felt mm. like a Markab. <laughs> um, but uh, too, I, too I soon, too feeling, soon. <laughs> yeah, too soon. I'm actually feeling much better. I just have a stupid lingering cough, so I apologize in advance if that interrupts our discussion at all. But for the most part, I'm I'm pretty much healed. Um, it was boy, it was last week was a rough week, rough week. But uh, I survived, and and I'm here to to talk Babylon Five with my buddy. I'm so glad that you're back. Andy, I I actually heard that you were so ill, John Sheridan tried to blow up your jump gate. (laughs) (laughs) For that one, i got to give a... There you go. There you go. There you go. You know, hold on. Ah, Andy's found the cough button. I only cough really bad when when you make me laugh. Oh, gosh. i got to... Let's keep... Let's keep that to a minimum tonight. I'll I'll reel it in as best I can. Oh man, I really well. You make me laugh too, and I'm at least I'm not. I'm always a little congested. I just go through life that way. But right. I'm, I'll try not to kill you here tonight. I, I right. do. I do have my my lubrication for my throat in case. Nah, too bad. I see it. Yes, I do. I see that. All right. Um, so we are up to a very special episode of Babylon Five this uh, this week because, and by the way, we are a week overdue. So I figure uh, we'll just. We'll just like call that the lost week and just kick back off from here like normal. Does that seem okay to you? Yeah, that works. Whatever works best for you. I mean, if you want to record next week, I'm totally open to it, but we can discuss that off. We'll discuss. Yeah, we will discuss and figure it out. I I, I thought just because I don't want to overdo you, uh, but then again, in a week you might be totally better. So we'll just kind of right. play it by ear. Okay. I'm, I'm, my goal here, folks, is to get the show out when we can, but also not to kill Andy in the process. So <laughs> we're trying to find a balance, you know? Trying to find a nice balance. That's much so, appreciated. Other than the fact that you live, uh, do you, and and your own genius, do you have anything to declare? Any announcements? Uh, let me see. I heard just today, in fact, a rumor that. <coughs> excuse me. Sorry, I wasn't quick enough on the mic. I heard a rumor that um, the uh, the reboot is dead. Now I'll believe that when when I hear it from JMS's oh, mouth. Oh man. 
but I also heard that uh, Warner's is very excited and going forward with the animated series based off of uh, on the Road the, Home. The way that the video did, right? Yeah, because the uh, the the Road Home, I guess, exceeded all expectations as far as sales go. So right. um, they they want to apparently Jamis kind of put a, a backdoor pilot in there. Which we discussed, you know, yes. when we reviewed that the movie. Yeah. So there, there is a pretty solid rumor that they are moving forward with that. So we may not get the the live action reboot, but uh, the the animated series going forward, and it'll be a series of movies. It won't be like a regular weekly series or anything like that. And they do the same thing with their with their DC stuff. They they release mm-hmm. a lot of animated mm-hmm. movies with DC, and they're they're actually highly regarded and, and pretty well done. So oh yeah, if they can keep up that same quality with the Babylon Five with a regular, you know, Babylon Five animated movie every every three or four months, I'd I'd be fine with that. Well, DV, uh, DC just in by way of comparison, DC has done and animated much more what Marvel did in live action, which is. They took their biggest, most famous stories from all their years of publishing and have done two or three part, one, two, three part movies out of it. Marvel does them as live action. DC tried that, didn't really work, but they've been they've done a lot of animated that way. Um, right. But um, you know, it's like I'm very torn on this. This is the first I've heard. I don't always you always hear stuff I don't hear, and I hear stuff you don't hear. I hadn't heard that, but I'll say this: I'm very torn on this for the following reason. I'm happy at the thought of getting more Babylon Five in any way. And I did think that the animated movie, just in terms of how it looked, how it sounded, everything was fine. I and mean, it wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't bad. It was it was fine, and that's that's fine. Right. Okay. Um, although I gotta say, if they take the platform of animation and use it to just exactly reproduce the sets that they had on the show because of the low budget. I don't think they did that, right? In the animated movie, they did have some pretty cool special effects, some expanded sets and all, you know. Oh, yeah. They had the, the, the reactor core for mm-hmm. the whole Babylon 5 station. That was a huge yeah. set. That, yeah, they did They did a good job, I thought, with the sets on, on that. I, I was just thinking in terms of if they show the council chamber, <laughs> please redesign it. Please, please take the opportunity to make it grand and majestic and not you know, the price is right on Babylon five set. <laughs> right. uh, no, actually it's not as nice as the price is right. It's, no, again, it's, it's more, more like, like Joker's wild. Joker's. Yeah. 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 Maybe <laughs> the Jeopardy. Game. The dating. <laughs> well, it did become the dating game at times, but that's all the story. Um, no, the, um, the, I'm, 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 I like the idea of more Babylon five. And again, I thought the animated movie in terms of as a, as a platform was fine. The, the two issues I have, are one, I don't like Babylon 5 as much as standalone movies. I like it better as a series, as a long form, right? right? It's like I like long novels better than short stories, and I think Babylon 5 works better as a long series of novels. It's the Lord of the Rings. It's not a short story, and it needs that room, I feel like, okay? but uh, And the other thing that worries me about it is I'm afraid that they that, 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 that a fair proportion of the sales of this video were people checking it out and no matter how good it was there's always going to be a segment that don't like it that's just human nature right and they're not going to buy the next one and they're certainly not going to buy the third one so there's going to be a drop-off probably and i'm afraid that they're going to do like a couple more and then go uh we were wrong 
you know, people don't right. like it. Babylon 5 sucks. Forget it. When that's not the lesson that should be learned, the lesson is you need to do it in the right format. So, and again, if it's if it's if it exceeded expectations, wouldn't that tell you you should do the freaking TV show? You would figure, but that's uh, corporate think is entirely different from logical thought. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, all right. So I don't mean to be I don't mean to poo-poo on the parade or anything. I'd love to have more Babylon Five. I just. I just want them to do it right, you know, and agreed. I enjoyed the movie, but I just hope they didn't learn the wrong lessons from it. That's all. And the way it was presented was it would be a series of, of the, the, the series would be broken down into two hour movies, but it would still be an ongoing story from one to the episode to the next to the next. Okay. All right. Well, that's better. Yeah. Oh, it'd be a heck of a wait between episodes, but I guess right. we've been there. So, right. Hi. Um, the one announcement I had is kind of on behalf of both of us. Our great patron, Allison, who pops up occasionally in the comments and everything, and is so wonderful, she sent us both over the last week or so a wonderful Babylon 5-related craft that she handmade. And we were both, I thought, blown away. Just thought it was beautiful, wonderful work in a medium I wasn't as familiar with. Absolutely. It was absolutely gorgeous. My wife was floored, and she's a crafter, so... It, and it it totally made my week as as horrible as that week was. That was really cool to get that. So yeah, yeah, it was it was beautiful. And I'm not being specific here until we talk to Allison because she may or may not want us to go into details. And I respect her privacy, so I just wanted to thank her publicly for doing something so nice. And then, you know, if if we ever mention it again or not, it's just we'll we'll respect her wishes, right? So we'll talk to her again right. and see. So okay, yep. Thank you, Allison. You're wonderful. Um, I remind Absolutely. everybody. Yeah, I remind everybody we don't have ads. So if you want to support the show and keep the program going and uh, give Andy a reason to survive this awful drop plague, then um, go to www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. Or just go to Patreon.com and look for White Rocket Reviews. I think that's kind of how it's labeled on there is White Rocket Reviews because this is we we figure we don't just do Babylon Five and eventually we'll do something besides Babylon Five when we run out of topics. But for right now, it's Babylon Five ninety nine percent of the time. Uh, although, by the way, um, uh, John Ringer and I have been talking about doing our second half of our uh, season two foundation review, so we got to do that at some point. You and I have got to do another Stargate Universe review. And then we've got Dune 2 coming up in a couple of weeks that we're going to want to do the uh, review for that. So there will be a few things sprinkled in here, here, and there, aside from Babylon 5. But uh, that's just your bonus. We figure if it's cool sci-fi like that, you guys would be, most of you would be interested. And the numbers that we get back seem to bear out. Those, our review episodes that are not Babylon 5, the numbers are pretty much the same as they are for the for the B5 episode. So that's cool. Good. Yeah, that is cool. All right. Uh, we do have a spoiler section. We hold it to the very end. You will hear the jump gate sound uh, when it is time. Jump gate activated. And then we will go in and talk about spoilers. If we have any, though, we may not have any. All right. So I want to point out, Andy, the Lurker's Guide episode page is still down. You can get Uh-oh. to the individual episodes by searching for them. Okay. But the actual page that lists all of the episodes and lets you click on each one is gone. Hmm. It comes up like a HTML code thing. So uh, fortunately, the whole site is still there. It's just that one page apparently has suffered some kind of a damage. 
And I wonder if there's anybody even maintaining that page at all, or if that's just an artifact page and it will eventually just disintegrate and die. Yeah, it hasn't been updated in a long time. I know that the uh, the per- I think the person that ran it forever was Stephen Grimm, but I never met him. I don't know him. Um, and I think the last time I looked, the contact was just like a Facebook page, which pff, you know, you gotcha. know that's, that's really hard. Right. So I don't know whatever became of him, but anyway, yeah, I hope it's there for a long. I, in fact, somebody needs to download. I think my friend did twenty years ago, but I don't. I, um, we need to download like the entire site locally, so that if it ever goes down, there's still access to it because that's just invaluable information on that site. Yeah. Um. Well, this is episode 505, A View from the Gallery. This is one I've been kind of looking forward to in a way because it's, you know, we've talked before about how season five kind of has two plot lines, two main plot lines, but the episodes that seem to be memorable from this season are the standalones, which is different from the other seasons in a lot, in a, in a big way, right? Right, right. And I remember this one being popular when it was first air. There was a lot of positive chatter about it on the, the Usenet groups and stuff like that. So Yeah. I hated it. I Spoiler. really... Spoiler! I hated it. No, I mean... What, you mean when it first came out? or that's... Yes, because we were okay. having to wait at least a week, if not months, between episodes. And right. I knew it was the last season. And I wanted more big Babylon 5 stuff. And I got two janitors bickering. And I'm like, why are you making me spend my precious Babylon 5 time squandered away on this? So my reaction in 1998 was very, very negative. Gotcha. Um, but, but as we've said before, being able to watch these anytime, any order, as many times as you want is a, is a blessing, right, as they say. Right. And it's not the same anymore. It's kind of like when Alan Porter and I review the James Bond movies. Back in the day, you could hate a James Bond movie because you had to wait years. Now, you just like, oh, that one was okay. That one was different. Now let's move on, you know. Yeah. It's a totally different experience when you can just watch them whenever you want. Right. So, Agreed. So I have a different view of it. I'm not saying I loved it or hated it. I'm just saying I don't hate it anymore. We'll talk about what I do think now. And I remember... Think? I remember when it first came out that I rather enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, it's there's plenty <coughs> to enjoy. It's just a. It's I think it's just a matter of like perspective and the context of yeah, and the expectations, the context of the times, and all that. Yeah. So we're going right. to get into that. All right. So let's see. This is uh, episode five hundred five, and um, I my little my note thing are all out of order this time. So I'm not going to do this the way I normally do because I. I guess I'll just say, do you want to do the description, or maybe you should let me since you're having a rougher time tonight. Uh, yeah, I think you I'll should do, do the description on this one. Well, mine are always short anyway. As the station defends itself against an alien attack, two ordinary crewmen, Mac and Bo, try to carry on and keep the station running and figure out what that thing does on, on the floor. Right. Um, <laughs> so we have Robin Atkin Downs as the ever-popular Byron. We have Lawrence LeJohn as Bo, Raymond O'Connor as Mac, and uh, O'Connor died on October 9, 2023. So he only passed away a few months ago, just a couple of oh, months, just a, three or four months ago, yeah, at age that. 71. I looked him up. He was in a lot of movies and TV shows, but the vast majority of his appearances, the credit reads something like Man on Telephone. Right. He was. They were both stand-up comedians. 
was oh, their, yeah. their primary job back back in the day. Mm, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. And it's funny, too, they'd have two stand-up comedians and then turn around soon and have uh, Penn and Teller. Yeah. How about that? Interesting. Yeah. Well, the... the der- Excuse me. The director for this specifically wanted to get uh, uh, com- stand-up comedians for their uh, their different sense of humor. That yeah, they, she thought she thought that they would bring more of a sense of humor to the role without telling jokes and stuff like that, just like in their delivery. And I did think they were a little awkward. They, I felt like they got better over the course of the episode, but at the they beginning, were, right. they were stiff. I mean, they were not your typical thug, you know, that, that we mm. usually get the, the, the Amen. Day, daytime television actors breach. Um, they, they were a little stiff, but, but towards the end, yeah, I, th- I thought they got better. Um, th- well, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned they're up comedians because, you know, I, re- I read the book about the making of Caddyshack of all things. Yeah. And it talks about how they brought in, uh, Rodney Dangerfield thinking he would be perfect. Right. <clears throat> and, they said he had no idea what to do. He had never made a movie or TV show or anything. He was just a stand-up comedian. And they said he would just like start talking or whatever. And they're like, no, you have to wait till we say action. And you have to stop when we say cut. No, you can't just wander around the room. The camera's over here, Rodney. Here, here's the microphone. He just said, you know, he had no idea. So it's, it, it's more skills to it than you think, you know. It's, right. it's, a, it's a more demanding thing to do than you might think, so... And, and knowing Ronnie Dangerfield, I'm sure that not only did he not know what he was doing, but he didn't care. Either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so let me see who else we've uh, we've uh, oh well we got the originally aired February 11th, 1998. So we're well into the February into the it's that, that that's three days from now the anniversary. That is three days from when we're recording this. This is February. Yep. Recording this on February 8, 2024. Written by JMS, and I think this is, um, we're getting, we've been talking about this forever, but we're getting close to the time we won't say that. Right. And he did give Harlan Ellison a story credit for this episode. Yeah, story by JMS and Harlan Ellison. And there's another episode coming up later in this season where Harlan Ellison gets another credit. Uh, And then there's another episode where a completely different writer is involved, which is probably the most famous, other than Sleeping in Light, probably the most famous episode from this season. We'll see. Yeah. Directed by Janet Greek. There's Mount Rushmore. You mentioned her. Yep. Um, all right. It's time for everybody's favorite moment on the show. Andy guesses the P5 rating. I'll explain it like I always do. When the episodes first aired, the Lurker's Guide website did a poll of hundreds of Babylon 5 fans and asked them to rate on a scale of 0 to 10 this each episode as it aired. And since, since Andy and I rate them on a scale of zero to five, because I'm an idiot when I started this thing, um, Andy tries to figure out what the P5 rating is. And it's, and it's fun because invariably we rate them lower than the P5 rating is. And right. you've kind of worked out like a kind of like a, you've worked out this algorithm, kind of like figuring out <laughs> pi to get the diameter of a circle or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> you figured out this little algorithm that helps you get remarkably accurate guesses. It's, it's usually yeah. uncanny how accurate you are. So when you, when you apply your algorithm, you're inc- incredibly, uh, incredibly accurate. So I, w- I will say that my algorithm is more of a gut feeling. <laughs> and with, with the the gut biome being messed up from the flu, I don't know how well Uh-oh. I'm going to do this time. <laughs> oh no, the the gut is not functioning properly. Oh no, we'll see. 
Yeah. All right. So, all right. I'm going to go by what we, what I think we're going to rate it. Double that, and then I'm going to add. <laughs> and you and add, add your. Right, at my magic number. I'm going to add a little bit more because, like I said, I remember this one getting a lot of positive buzz when it first came out. It was it was pretty well received. So I'm going to say 7.5. Wow, the way you were talking it up there, I thought you were going to go up in the eights. Mm. I, I like, man, he's like it's saying it's well received and everything. He's going to go 8.5 or something. So no, you say se- I, I rated it pretty low. So. Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. I, I see. I was thinking here that you were shocked that I didn't like it the first time, and that you were because you did. No, oh. I, I liked it. I liked it the first time. We'll see how I liked it this time. Wow! So we kind of passed each other two <laughs> two ships passing in the night. Oh, I'm making Andy cough again. Dang it! I'm sorry. All right, Andy's locked in at seven point five. Seven point five. The P five rating for this episode was 7.87. Wow. So you are really close, as always. You're always yeah. really close. But you usually don't underestimate them three point, uh, 0.37. So that's, again, it's not a lot, but it surprises me. Why? So you thought it was going to be a little lower than that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I did. I Well, you know, I... I it's, We'll, we'll we'll get to that in my ratings. Yes, we will. <laughs> when, All right. When we give our when we give our ratings at the end. All right. There we go. I don't remember where I put it in terms of like I have a I have a uh dang I have a oh it's for the categories. Never mind. All right. I was thinking of something we were going to do, but it's for the categories, so I'll save it. All right. What All kind right. of random factoids and notes do you have for this episode that you want to share? <laughs> with us? The only one I found was that uh, the plucked chicken reference. Yes. Yes. That, they made. that was actually put in there by JMS because apparently he disliked the design of the White Stars. What? And he, his his initial reaction when he saw the White Star was, that looks like a plucked chicken. And he, he has gone on record saying that he is not a fan of the, the final design for the White Star. And I that floored me. I thought I thought he would have the, the final say or the, the thumbs yeah. up or thumbs down, but yeah. I guess I guess not. But He's I've always I've always heard that it's a plucked chicken, but I never realized he was the one that said that, or that he was, you know, that he was behind that. I, of course, we love it. I think it's one of the most beautiful ships around. I think it looks, I, I think it looks fantastic. I, I, I really think it looks cool. It's different. Yeah, I think it's my number two all time, only to the Eagle from Space 1999, which couldn't be more different from it, by the way. Right. Well, it, it, it's almost as fragile. Yeah, I, I've always said the Eagle from Space 1999 is like an industrial helicopter. Right. And the White Star is a Formula One car. I mean, you know, it's yeah. a exotic. It's a McLaren or something. It's an exotic. So, uh, well, that's interesting. Uh, let's see. I got a couple of things. You know, I, I just as a complete aside, I, I learned something very interesting about the, the Eagle design that oh. um, we'll, we'll need to discuss later. Interesting. All right, we'll leave that yeah. hanging. I'm dying now. Um... Lockley's back. That's worth yes, noting. She is. Begin to think she left the show as soon as she came on. Right, right. She was only on that first episode and then gone. There, there is a JMS speaks referring to her hairstyle in this episode, which is which doesn't seem like something that would be noteworthy, but in this case, it kind of is. I'll give them you know yeah. a pass on talking about the lady's hair because it actually is relevant here. We'll get to that in just a bit. Um, 
I, I have a note. I think that one good thing about season five is it did give JMS the chance to tell smaller and one-off stories. Now you can argue that's because he had to, and that's fair. But right. but he didn't have a chance to fit some of these into seasons two, three, and four uh, the way he did in one. And so there's you know five has a lot in common with one. Uh, the difference being we know everybody and we've lost a lot of cool characters. Though we've gained a couple of cool characters too. Um, you know, I, I ran across an interview with Andreas Katsoulis, and he said that season five is his favorite season because of all the different character moments that, that, yeah. he, that he got to do. He said he absolutely loved season five. That's I'm glad. I'm really glad yeah. about that. That's interesting, yeah. Well, and whatever he... I mean, he knows. He's the man. He's the Narn, so... Right. Uh, and I do think that some of those standalones are the best episodes of the season, certainly the most memorable. And, we, we, and again, we got a couple more coming up that are big. Um, okay, a few in-universe things. During the initial occupation of Narn, the Centauri tried to demoralize the resistance movement by bombing the seven largest cities. So we didn't really know that before. We knew they dropped rocks. Right. Uh, so and Jakar grew up basically in bomb shelters for those yes. for several years. I thought so that was could... a really insightful... That that whole conversation was really cool. And that's that's exactly what Katsulis was talking about, was mm-hmm. how you learn so much about his character and Londo's character and just those little conversations that they have. I thought that was a neat conversation. Yeah, it certainly sheds more light on why he was so hostile in the first season. Right. And, um, yeah, we do learn a lot of little factoids just thrown out here and there in this episode. Brown Sector is undesirable for the maintenance crew. So they put the newbies in there. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yep. Uh, before the Dilgar War, Franklin's father was captured, and uh, uh, he survived only because a military doctor treated him despite the other members not wanting him to be treated, which is what and made mili- Stephen go in. The military into doctor for the other side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which which is what made Stephen want to go into medicine rather than military, which I thought was that's right. again that's something we didn't know. We we knew a little of that, but not the whole story. So, right, I thought that was a really cool moment too. The script for this episode was written in one day between like three o'clock in the afternoon and two o'clock in the morning. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, let's see. There was a conversation about Ivanova's departure from the station that was meant to refer back to Claudia Christie's departure from the show. So that yeah, was cool. I, I picked up on that. Yeah, uh, the price of Spoo goes up fifty percent from the front, from the first part of the show to the sec to the second half. I was not aware of that. Uh, Ten what, credits. Is there like to fifteen? Is there like, like Spoo speculators going on on Babylon Fivers? Oh, you know Londo <laughs> is. You know Londo's like, Veer, buy me more Spoo stock." <laughs> or either there's a, a virus left over from the techno mages that just randomly pops up and buys him yeah. stock and food. And then, so yeah, it went from 10 credits to 15 credits over the space of the episode. The Narn day is 31 hours long. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Sheridan refers to the place where no shadows fall, which was certainly not Zahadum because a lot of shadows fell on Zahadum. Hey, um, let's see. The incident referred to by Mac and Bo in which Sheridan chased down someone who injured Delenn was in Ceremonies of Light and Dark when they got the yep. new... I just think of that episode as that we get the new uniforms episode. <laughs> right right after Severed Dreams, they get the right. new uniforms. Yeah. Uh, and Byron once again quotes Hamlet. He just loves him some Hamlet. Yes. Ba- oh, here's one for you, Andy. Babylon 5 launches fighters, and a bunch of them are those Thunderbolts. Yes, that was super cool. 
they weren't just the little star furies they were those big atmospheric thunderbolt things those yeah the, the, the two-seaters oh, and i that's one of the things i loved about crusade was they had that cool little dispensing rack for thunderbolts that popped out the bottom of the excalibur yeah that, that thing was, was sweet cool. Um, we are nearly three minutes into the episode before we encounter Mac and Bo. I thought that was interesting. Huh. Yeah, other stuff yeah. happens, and then they just kind of pop up three minutes in. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. I got a few unanswered questions. Who were the aliens? Uh, I don't know. They're, they, they look like rejects from Captain Video. They did. Yeah, they were They were wearing the... And, and, and unfortunately, that style of stick the stick the alien in a cheap, helmet type thing pops up again in crusade unfortunately in war zone only i think only in war zone not really in the other episodes um yeah i i kept thinking are are these the aliens that sent the probe in season three in day in the strife yeah i i I, well i i i made that comparison as well to connie while we were watching it but i didn't i didn't make the connection that they might be the one and the same Mm. well if they're not they need to encounter each other they probably wipe each other out Right, right. Be- well, Solve I mean, two problems. that that episode, and I commented on this as well. That episode was so much more intelligently written than this episode <laughs> that I, I, I can't see the connection between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, people are asking why wasn't Drawl contacted, and of course, that's always the question. Every time Babylon Five is in trouble, people ask why didn't they contact Drawl, and JMS's answer is always either the actor's not available. Or it's a Deus ex machina to which I reply, yes, it's it's the it's the Minbar it's the Minbari in the machine, and you put him there in season one. If you didn't want to have a Minbari in the machine, why did you put a Minbari in the machine? <laughs> he didn't have to do that episode. You could have written a different script if you didn't want a Minbari down on Epsilon three wanting to help. Right. I, I don't understand that. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, draw was so criminally underused. It, it, there yes. could have been some really, really cool stories done around that whole situation. And, <laughs> and, the, and the one time that they actually had Ivanova be the one to do it, which was even cooler. When yeah, she got to go was... out and, and be like holographic and stuff. Remember the holographic Ivanova comes into, into Sheridan's room when the lady's taking her clothes off? Yes, yes. That's a great <laughs> moment. That's a great moment. All right. Well, that's, all right. Let's see. The last of the things before we get into categories is... And the discussion, oh, I see Shadowcat has appeared. Yeah. He's invading your borders. He is totally violating my personal space. Come on, get. <laughs> get. No, don't step on that. Oh <laughs> yeah, I remember one time he stepped on something and you were gone. Yeah. yeah he <laughs> he went off into the ether. <laughs> that was funny. I look up and there's a giant furball in front of Andy. It's pretty funny. Um, all right, JMS speaks. A couple of things here. Uh, he's, JMS says, writing a script is invariably faster than fixing someone else's script. I can write a script from zero to, from zero to finished in an average of five to seven days. On a few rare occasions, it's gone longer. Uh, but, but I find if it goes longer, I lose the heat of the story and it wanders a bit. In a few cases, I've written a script in a day or two. A view from the gallery came out of my keyboard in one day between four and three. I was off by the hours a little bit. So 11 hours. Wow, that's impressive. That is um, impressive. Somebody asked him if if Bo and Mac were, were supposed to be JMS and Harlan Ellison. And he says, while there was a little bit of Harlan in Mac, there wasn't intentionally any JMS in Bo, to which I reply, I don't believe you. I think it was definitely <laughs> supposed to be the two of them. Right. 
uh, Lockley's hairstyle, I mentioned. Somebody said to him, her hairstyle was really severe. Did she pull it back in a hurry? And JMS says that Tracy Scoggins did exactly what you suggest. She figured this isn't about hair. So when she was awakened in a hurry and had to get to see and see fast, she's not going to do her hair, just throw it in a ponytail. She didn't realize in making that choice, JMS says, that it would make her look A, that severe in the uniform since she was still getting used to it, and B, give her the Ivanova peanut head, as she used to call it. <laughs> she later realized this was a bit of an error and has never done it since. All right, so this is the yeah. last time we're going to see Ivana, uh, see, oh, ooh, sorry, Lockley with the tight ponytail. Right, right. I did notice it just the one time. When she first came out on CNC like that, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Let's see her pulling her Very face good. back. <laughs> wow. But that, that, there you go. Um, let's see. Uh, why could Byron project into Bo's head while it took the whole group of telepaths to control the alien? And JMS says, because there's a substantial difference in will and intent in making a person who's come to murder you turn around versus creating a momentary illusion in somebody's head. It's the degree of effort involved. Um, JMS has this great long screed where somebody points out that Garibaldi is top secret and yet Lockley's chewing him out in public. Yeah. And JMS basically just, he keeps saying, these are station personnel. He puts that in all capital letters. These are station personnel who are basically, they have clearance. And and after arguing back and forth, he says, this is a non-starter issue, frankly. So he's just not having it. Yeah. It's um, a silly thing to argue about, for sure. And then finally, someone said to, the, to JMS, the let them attack someone else, just not us, was actually a little startling to me. If they were going to blow these guys up, I kind of wish they'd put a little more effort into it rather than just foisting them off on the next, perhaps less fortunate people. And JMS says, given that this is a little-known distant entire race out preying on weaker races, of which this was just an expeditionary force, how short of planetary genocide would you have stopped them? Moreover, is that really Lockley's or B-5's mandate to eliminate every hostile race out there? So... Again, I feel like JMS spends a lot of time weaseling out of his own holes he's dug for himself. I'm not right. totally sold on this one. What do you think? I, I I agree. I think this whole alien invasion was a plot device only, and he didn't yes. put a whole lot of thought into it at yep. all. Bingo. You have cut are, to the heart. Yeah, of it. there are so many holes in, in the, the plot of this particular episode based entirely on who are these people, where do they come from, and why was this not a massive... I mean... The shadow showed up, and the entire galaxy ganged up against them. You know, these guys show up and threaten Babylon Five, and you know they got to wait for the, the 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 what do you call it the White Stars to finish. You know, in line at the Taco Bell before they come to save the day. <laughs> oh my God, they were in, they were in the drive-through. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. I agree. I think that you're right. I was. Sometimes it's easy to get your feet bogged down in in-universe answers to things. And I think you did a good job there of reminding us that sometimes you got to take one more step back and say, he wrote it in like 11 hours. He was just being lazy. They're just generic threat of the week to give Bo and Mac something to react to, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's totally fair and accurate. All right. Before we get into our categories, I've got to hit the... uh, It's the Byron Annoying Meter. 
It's your weekly look in season five at how annoying we found Byron this week. And I'm I'm hoping that this feature is not going to make fun of him. I'm hoping it will actually reveal that maybe he's not as annoying as people think, right? I'm I'm doing this just to see. Let's just right. see how it plays out. How, so, what is that what is that saying? Hope hope in one hand? Uh, well, yeah. Um, so on a scale of one to ten, one being he's a pretty cool dude, and ten being feed him to the Pac Mara, unless you just like the Pac Mara and don't want them eating Byron. What did you rate the Byron annoying meter this week? I'm still at five with this one because wow. he was just a smarmy jerk. <laughs> I mean, he practically made poor Bo beg to, to. He kept saying, "Do you really want to go out there?" Do you really want to do it? Yeah, that's true. Make, come on, come on! I want to hear you ask. Oh, that was like, ugh. oh my god, you, you insufferable jerk! You're making me rethink my number, even as I sit here staring at it. Uh oh. Wow. What was your number? Well, because I think it part of it is I remember how annoying he can be, <laughs> and so I'm grading him on kind of a curve, a learning curve, if you will, for next week um, or two weeks. It's that's coming up. I know that's an. Right. That's an I know that that one is a, is a season five, first half of the season. So it's coming up in a week or two. But yeah. no, I'm grading him on kind of a curve, and so um, I gave him a three this time. Okay. I gave him a three. He's just got that that smarmy little smirk when he looks at you. I don't know if he's trying to be beneficent or what, but you just look at him. And he just. I just want to smack him. If he's gonna be smarmy and egotistical, I wish he would just go full on WWE and say, "Whether you like it or not, learn to love it, because it's the best thing going today." Woo! That's you know what I mean. If he couldn't do it, if he had done that approach. <laughs> and, with the woos in there, and he the would woo. have been my favorite character of all time on Babylon 5. Maybe in all of television. That would be freaking brilliant. Yes. I would have loved that. Oh, man. I, I do have the uh, the football show soundboard fired up tonight. I thought it might come in useful, and it, and it has so far. So that's worked out pretty well. Um, I, by the way, I did tell uh, I did tell Andy that when he did come back like Sheridan from Zaha Doom, back from the dead, my reaction was... My fellow Americans, our long national nightmare is over. So I was very glad. I was very glad. And I said, now we can go out to our listeners and we can... I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? We back up. Yes, we're back up, Andy. We're back up. We're we back, back up. up. All right, so I gave you gave uh, Byron a five annoying. I gave him a three. Three is three is less annoying. Five is more annoying. But still, neither one of us is good. He he has yet to go past the midpoint, which is good for him, I guess. Well, and he was only in one scene in this particular show as well. That's so. true. That's true. All right, let's hit the categories. High point of this episode to you. High point for me were uh, Bo and Mac. I thought that that the characters themselves were pretty cool. They were you know kind of like a down to earth, and they weren't. They weren't as poorly written as a lot of the other throwaway characters usually get, like the thugs that's, or the. That's the, fair. The, that's true. Just the random people. I mean, he he actually gave these guys personalities and I mean, real personalities, mm-hmm. and I thought the the delivery by the actors was was pretty well done as well. So they were, I I believe that they were just you know your average Joe just trying to just trying to get by. 
I definitely thought they got better over the course of the episode. If it wasn't filmed, if it was not filmed linearly to the way it was broadcast, then I don't know what happened because it felt to me like every scene they were a little more comfortable. Yeah. Um, But I had my high point of the episode was Dr. Franklin explaining why he's a doctor because I thought that – I thought he was really compelling there. You know, I mean, I give him credit. He's a pretty darn good actor. Yeah. Well, was. I bless his heart. But, I mean, we loved him. But he was a really good actor when he had the material and could really kind of get into it. And and he kind of did that, I thought, with this with this bit. I, this, was yep. as good of, this was as good of Franklin as I think we've seen in a long time. I agree 100%. This one made one of my other categories. Okay. Well, what w- probably not this one. What was your low point? Oh, my low point was the alien design. They were just yeah. awful, awful, awful. It was. It, I know that they were on a tight budget, but still, man, it was like I said earlier. It was like out of a Captain Video serial. You know, it was. It was so bad. They had the big helmet that was like eight feet tall. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Started from the middle of their chest, and they, they had a duck to get through doorways. I mean, they just looked absolutely. Re- How do they turn their heads in those things? They don't. I mean, they were they were generic and goofy at the same time. Kind of like rock'em sock'em robots, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I. I don't know how you do them though. If you make them monsters, they look stupid. They like Doctor Who, old, you know, like nineteen seventies Doctor Who. If you put them in uniforms, I mean. Well, and the the problem it goes back know. to the the laziness of of their of of the whole background of you them know, existing, of, of the yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. You can't you can't make them look cool or special or anything like that because they're not cool or special. They're a throwaway. They barely get mentioned, and then we never see them again. So yeah. you don't want to spend a whole lot of time or money designing something that that will resonate with the fans That's because true. you know these guys aren't going to be around anymore. So That's a good point. They, they yeah they were a victim of their own their own origins. I guess yeah. I don't know. It was it was disappointing. <laughs> no, I think you I think you said it pretty clearly. Yeah, I, my low point. I really I mean, some of the early Bow and Max scenes where I thought where I thought they were a little bit stiff, but I didn't I, I did I, I did note that I thought they got better. Uh, but my real surprise here was that I thought it would be the Byron and the telepaths, but I actually thought they came across differently interacting with a couple of regular guys instead of all the demigods that they usually are opposite on here. Because usually right. when usually Byron is having to kind of out drama let me start over usually byron is trying to have to out drama right you know one of these titans that we just take in our stride as the people we see on the show but that i'll say that let me in fact that that makes me think of this okay this is something i wanted to say and i I hadn't found a way to get to it but this did the thing that i think is really useful here about Bo and mac for me it's not them specifically it's that Having an episode with this much of the runtime taken up by characters like this, regardless of which ones, right? It could be Bo and Mac or, you know, whoever. But seeing them, and then they encounter Sheridan and Delenn and, and everybody, it, it, it's, like, it's like, all right, we referenced DC a while ago. Let me reference Marvel here. I think I can give you a metaphor, give you a, a, an analogy. For, for, you know, for many years, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, into the 90s, 
you only saw Marvel superheroes in the context of they are the characters we're interacting with, right? You know, you read a comic or you watched a bad TV show or back then a bad movie or whatever, and it was you watching the superheroes do stuff, mm-hmm. okay? In the 90s, though, Kurt Busick and Alex Ross did Marvels, and it was this miniseries from the perspective of a regular guy photographer trying to take pictures of them. And suddenly, suddenly these characters that had always been amazingly, uh, had amazing abilities, Spider-Man and Iron Man and Thor and whatever, the X-Men, they had always been like, the person you identified with in the story, but they had powers. Right. Suddenly, with with the identifying character, you're on your the character that gives you entree into this story, being a regular guy, it made the superheroes like demigods. I mean, even like Daredevil or something was this right. larger than life figure that you just glimpsed in the background going through, right? As opposed to following him around with his thought balloons and he's worried about his friend and his law practice. Or, you know, like, think about Spider-Man. You follow Spider-Man around, he's worried about Aunt May. We're, we're privy to all of his thoughts. We're privy to all of his actions. You know, he's fighting Doc Ock. He's like, oh, I've, I hurt my hand. Oh, no, I, I won't be able to take that picture for J. Jonah Jameson tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. When you see it through Marvel's, Spider-Man swings by, and you're like, that was Spider-Man. Oh, my gosh. It's a completely different thing. And that's what Bo and Mac did. Every week before now, we'll see Sheridan and Delenn and Garibaldi and go, look, oh, it's Sheridan and Delenn and Garibaldi. Yeah, it's, it's those people. Now it's like, oh, that's John Sheridan. Right. That's, that's Delenn. Can we touch her? Can we get her autograph? It's Delenn, man. Can you believe it? It, it just it changed the context and it changed how those characters we were so familiar with appear to us and come across to us. And I thought that right. was really good. Yeah. That, that part of it I found really, again, now we can talk about how effective the story that we got with that was. That's, that's a whole other thing. But I think the, the, the main reason this episode works at all, in my opinion, is that it presents these characters we already knew in a com- we see them in a completely different light and it's about the only time I mean you know the only other episode that comes I think close to this is the deconstruction of falling stars when they have the computer program of them in there and right. you see them as like these historical figures that have been recreated. That gives you a little taste of it but not the same way as Mac and Bo being like oh it's just right. Lynn you know so all right. like, like they're celebrities, yeah. Yeah, celebrities and higher beings almost. Right. Yep. That, that so, was it. Was a neat perspective for sure. Yeah. The perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. So I thought that was the one thing this episode really did that n- no other episode has done. I give it credit for that. All right. What was your most Babylon Five scene? Most Babylon Five scene was when the White Stars came and saved the day. Because Yay! How, many times, how many times have we seen that? So I know. I had that too. I had that too. It was, it was kind of a neat moment. I have a I have one other one though I gotta mention and that is John kissing Delenn yeah in, in front of the boys yeah that was because again they can do that all the time but when they do it there it's a it's a different context right and you're like oh right. look at that it it almost came across like like a cameo though like like they were showing all the the main cast doing the main cast things like you're gonna show John and Delenn of course you're gonna show them kiss. You yeah. show Jakar and and Londo, of course you're gonna show them bantering. You, yes. know, you show 
Lockley and Garibaldi, Garibaldi. of course, they're going to be arguing butting heads. Yep. So it, 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 it seemed a little cheesy at times, but it, that particular point was, was the cheesiest one when they just started swapping saliva right in front of the boys. <laughs> like, guys, get a room. Come no, on. Get a space station. Uh, get a white star. <laughs> they, you know, um, I, you mentioned uh, Lockley and Garibaldi. I got to say, that really is the relationship I think that works. They they try to do stuff with Lockley and Sheridan, but it, yeah. that that chemistry is not the same. I think that right. Garibaldi and Lockley are they they spark off each other really well, and I feel like they should have JMS should have leaned into that more this season. Agreed, agreed. And I, I that scene did make any of my other categories, so I'll mention it here. That was a great scene. I thought that was yeah. the when they were arguing because she she was right. She had solid points and was putting him in his place, and he had mm-hmm. he had nothing to say about it because he, he he dropped the ball on that one. His argument is always like, "But I'm Garibaldi," <laughs> right? <laughs> and she didn't buy that. I don't I, know what I don't know. Well, yeah. you're kind of in the position where you can't be like that anymore, Garibaldi. I I it's, it's interesting to me because Garibaldi loved Susan so much, and I don't mean like you know romantically, but. Right. Like we all do. He loved right. Susan so much and respected her so much yep. that he was never going to do her that way. If right. Susan had said something like that to him, he'd have bitten his tongue, I think. Yep. I mean, he might have been a little grouchy or bannered a little bit, but he wouldn't have gotten mad. He'd have been like, well, Susan, you know, and then. But with, a, with, with Lockley, he doesn't give a crap. And, and right. that's interesting. I'm not saying he should or shouldn't, and I'm not saying I agree with either one of them because I frankly found both of them annoying, honestly. But it's it. But at least it's some excitement, right? It shakes things up a little bit because they don't like each other. There's not a lot of respect between them, and they just let it fly. Yep, they, they let it go. So, all right. What was your favorite character moment in this episode? Uh, for me, the favorite character moment was uh, what you mentioned earlier when Doc Franklin gave his little monologue about why he switched from being just a regular Earth Force officer to being a doctor. I thought that was really cool. That was yeah, a moment. It really was, yeah. Um I well, have Garrett well written. Oh well written and well delivered. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh I have Garibaldi and Lockley on the elevator. And I noted that like I just said, they have the most entertaining chemistry. I think it's interesting that this season you have you have pairs that have chemistry. There's John and Delenn are kind of in their extended honeymoon this season, right? Right. Um Garibaldi and Lockley. Londo and Jakar kind of reconcile just enough to bicker without killing each other. And and then you're gonna have Byron and whoever, you know, and stuff. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of pairing up. Agreed, because there is no big story that that, that mm-hmm. throws all those people together. Yeah. That's right. All right, what was your funniest moment? Uh my funniest moment was um when Bo and Mac were talking and Bo says, I heard he was dead once and Mac looks at him and goes well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> or I thought he was going to say he got better, but oh well, that's right, good enough. Right. He got better, Bo. Um, I had the same. I had uh, Mac and Bo watching Londo and Car- Jakar bicker and say, "I wonder how long they've been married," <laughs> which is a good one too. So they had a couple of good lines. Yep, yep. That was good, and it's very accurate. People have always said that. All right, who won this episode? Uh, Babylon Five won this episode because they survived the invasion of the dastardly bad guys we didn't even get a name for these guys no they were the nameless right weird villains yeah <laughs> the rock'em so sock'em yeah um 
I have the White Star Fleet won the episode, although, yeah. which is the same thing. Although I did note that Mac and Bo won when Delenn knew their names. Yes, that was funny. Because again, it's they're looking at her like she's this rock star. It's like if yeah. you know if um, Taylor Swift, yeah, comes walking through and said, "Hey, Mac and Bo," and they'd just be like, <gasps> "On the floor, yeah, yeah." So, and and Sheridan gives her a look like, "How do you know those guys' names?" Right, which is so cool. <laughs> You know, that reminds me, this is a true story. I used to run the elevator at the uh, Ohio Stadium for the football games. Yeah. And one day, Dr. E. Gordon Gee, the president of Ohio State University, rode up in the elevator, introduced himself, you know, to me and all that stuff, asked me what my name was. I said, yeah, my name is Andy. Took him up. That was it. Two years later, Mr. Gee walks in, or Dr. Gee walks into my elevator again, looks at me, pulls out his hand, says, Andy, how you doing? Holy Lord, man, it was there's cool. there's people that can do that. I am not one of those people. <laughs> That's Same amazing. Here. That's yeah, amazing. It, was, it was pretty cool. Sorry, I, again, I well, digress a little bit. I, this, no, I've got to say this because this is crazy. Because some of our listeners have heard the episodes that I did as special episodes a while back with Jared. Uh, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, is my co-host on some other shows that we've done over the years. We haven't done anything lately, but he has his own net, he has his own podcast network now. He's kind of flown off and doing his own thing now. Jared was at Auburn several years after I was. He was there in the 90s. He ran the elevator in Jordan-Hare Stadium at Auburn. Holy cow. <laughs> so you and Jared both had the same job at one point at two different really big so college hilarious. football stadiums. Really big college. Yeah. I, that just blows my mind, yeah. That's wild. That is. <laughs> what are the odds? It's pretty crazy. Right. I have to ask, ask Jared about that. All right, who lost this episode? Uh, the Invaders definitely lost the episode. They... Uh, they lost. Yeah. I mean, that's they. They got their butts beat. They did they retreat or did they get wiped out? I I, I don't even know. Uh, some combination thereof, I guess. Yeah. And um, I guess the, the all those people that died there at the end when they were, when Doctor Franklin was bagging and tagging them, all the, oh. the people that one time. Yeah, that was kind of sad. I I did notice one of the one of them was a ranger. Oh, I didn't notice that. Nice call. Nice yeah. pickup. Like, there was a guy that had, still had his eyes open that Doc Franklin came and closed his eyes before mm. covering him up, that, that he was wearing a, a ranger uniform. Mm, that's too bad. Um, I had the unnamed aliens were the losers and yeah. me in 1998 <laughs> because I was so mad that this episode was – and again, like I say, when you've got the entire series – it's fine to have an episode like this. But when right. you're breathlessly counting the minutes between episodes, you don't want an episode like this. Right, right. E- it, every, yeah. every week cannot be Zaha Doom. I understand that. Every week cannot be Severed Dreams. Into the fire. In real time. <laughs> War without end. <laughs> I wasn't trying to take us there, but okay. No, every, every episode can't be something like that. But still... I just wanted something that mattered. And and again, it matters now as a character study and a perspective and all that. And I think that this episode does serve a very important purpose for the series. But in 1998, I hated it. There. There you go. That's fair. So that segues us very nicely into our rating on a scale of zero to five. Man, I, I... I loved Bo and Mac. I thought that was neat, and I liked the the perspective that they gave us and all that stuff. But I was super disappointed with the writing of this one. And I loved, or I enjoyed this episode a great deal the first time. And I was really looking forward to seeing it this time. 
because this is one of the ones in season five that I remember enjoying. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't give this any higher than a two point five. It was just, I mean, it, just from a, a basic writer standpoint, the the amount of filtering he put in there in the story. We this story was told not from the perspective of the people fighting the aliens. It wasn't told from the perspective of the people in charge of the people fighting the aliens. It was told from the perspective of the dudes that were overhearing the people that were telling the people that were fighting the aliens. And more importantly, the dudes that were overhearing this didn't really care. You know, they, they showed zero concern over. In fact, nobody mm-hmm. showed any concern over this. The, the people in the, the shelter, you know, hiding out in the shelter, there was no sense of, oh my God, this could be the, 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 the last minute we breathe together. I mean, that there was no, there was no sense of urgency or, or danger at all. No, you're and right. From a, That's from a, good a writer's point. standpoint, I, I was very disappointed with it. So I gave it a 2.5. That's a good point that you should have gotten fire and pieces of the station raining down and people screaming and running around. And then it, it, it might've just been Saturday afternoon except for occasionally that we were told that bad things were happening. But there right, was right. never any sense of jeopardy. Exactly. There was the, the, the you know, show, don't tell. The only yeah, reason yeah. we knew what was going outside was because you'd hear the Lockley announce, well, the second wave is now coming. Okay, mm. everybody, here's more booms coming. I mean, it, it, even the, the, the telepaths had an excuse for sitting around doing nothing. I mean, that, that's what they always do. But right, everybody right. else... They just didn't seem to care. It's like, all right, so we're in a bomb shelter. Yeah. You know, let's bicker and banter and all this stuff. And it, it, there was just, it, it didn't seem like a real story. It seemed like a, a play that JMS was having these guys walk through to show, you know, the different interactions with the the main characters. I, yeah. I, I was very disappointed. So yeah. I all right. I I'll give you my rating. I think it's funny. So Andy's like, I thought this one would be better, but I had to lower it all the way down to 2.5 and van i'm over here going man i hated this one the first time and i probably have this is only the second time i've probably ever really watched it or third but this time i raised it all the way up to 2.5 so we <laughs> met in the middle we did not pass we thought we were going to cross in the night but we met right square in the middle literally 2.5 how about yep. that it's right there on my yep. screen 2.5 i had not typed anything that's exactly what i put down so well, there it is. All right. So, um, a view from the gallery of a view from the gallery. Uh, we got to quickly thank our patrons. They include the aforementioned Allison Rich, Leah G, Rich Hammett, Ben, a view from the Peanut Gallery Rose, Debbie No Spoilers Norris, Dragon Condolin, Emma Jane Alexander, Emmanuel Seaman, Grumpy Old SGU Fan, Jal Ja. Mondo6, Michael O'Connor, Middle-Aged Geek Tim, Pete, now able to set off the radiation detectors at any international airport. Furman, it's a pretty nice talent. Steve Palmer, Stu Parker, The Geek Boy, Una Vez, and Una Luna Azul, Drazi Green, Heather and Yancey Steingrabber, Ice Cream, Clone with a Boba Fett head, New Pulp Reader and Writer. All right, they went to www.b5review.com, clicked on the button, or just went to patreon.com and looked for a me or for white rocket reviews and signed up and became a patron and let me see if we have any uh oh let's see we have a few Um, i know i think ben was uh tweeting on on or xing whatever it's called that 
he was going to take my my job away from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did suggest that. That's right. All right, so I'm going to go back to um, I'm going to go back to the I never know where to go back to, so I'm just going to go back to the Paragon of Animals because we haven't done comments from that one. There's a lot, but I'm going oh, to wow. I'm going to just hit a few highlights here. Uh, ben says. Wait, let me make sure I'm looking at the right one. Yes, I am. Okay. Ben says, uh, I was referring to the fact that white stars are unavailable because they're still returning from the Infili homeworld. If only there was some advanced weaponry on the planet below that could help. <laughs> yeah. We, and for the record, I've never seen Firefly, so I guess I'm smarter than I thought, as JMS would say. Nice. I kind of remember what he's referring to. Um a view from the gallery is one of my favorites, partly because I was a crew chief on F-15s in the Air Force, and aircraft maintenance crew chiefs are the jack-of-all-trades master of none. Bo and Mac are great together. They are definitely the crew chiefs of Babylon 5. One area that B-5 definitely schools Trek on is the existence of crewmen who aren't officers that keep the lights on, the bugs out of C&C, and the Isolab customizable. I have to note, they did find some literal bugs in the machine. Literally, yep. They pretty found gross. literal bugs. Allison says, this episode is not my favorite. It has some fine Lita moments. It's the beginning of her taking back her power. She's been so used and abused, we've been agreed to that, from so many people who should have had her back. The Psycor themselves, Ulkesh, and most of all the people on B5 who should have been extra nice to her because of all the dangerous and risky stuff they asked her to do and still will ask her to do. Amen. Yeah. Uh, being a telepath must be a thankless situation. People want to take advantage of the powers you have, but also don't trust you for the same reason. It might be easy to adopt a persecution complex if you had that gift. No, thank you. Like Ben, a view from the gallery is also one of my favorites in all five seasons. Look forward to hearing your assessment. Well... It is what it is, Andy. We ain't gonna right. lie. We don't lie. No, we don't. No. We, we 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 give it how we see it. Uh, ben recommends I hack into the Tachyon relay stations to boost my internet signal through <laughs> hyperspace. That's a good point. Or ask Zathras for help. Yeah, there you go. Um, that that could lead to madness, though. I wouldn't do that. No. Yeah. Don't do. It. When you he says when you said Bo and Mac were who were they were supposed to be I thought you were going to say C three PO and R two D two or the two peasants in Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress that were inspiration for the droids. That's a good call by Ben. I, I'm a big fan of that movie and all the Kurosawa's. Yeah. I, I I binge watched them during the pandemic and uh, came to really appreciate I them. I I did too. I that's did cool. the same thing. They're yeah. on HBO Max. Yep, yep. That's it. There you go. Just like and, Babylon Five for a while. Right. And shout out to Ben, man. I know that being a crew chief on an F-15 has got to be one of the most difficult jobs in the Air Force because that is a high-tech piece of machinery. So that's that's pretty awesome. So good, good for you, Ben. They've been popping up everywhere lately. I've read I'm, – I'm currently on my I – got, I got a Kindle for, for, for my birthday or for Christmas. I forget which. Anyway, yeah. I, I got a Kindle recently. And the first book I bought on it that I'm still reading is Firefox Down, the sequel to Firefox, yep. about stealing the Russian jet, Clint Eastwood, you know, in the movie. Yep. And uh, the, uh, and it's interesting because it's basically extrapolated from how we were worried about the Fox Bat, the the MiG-25. Right. And and uh, and I'm also currently reading the book of uh, the Defector, which is a book about a, a Russian pilot defecting with an F with a with a MiG-25, right. and they talk about how the F-15 was specifically built for the United States to be able to outduel the Foxbat, the MiG-25. 
Right. It is and still one of the premier fighting <sighs> jets in the world, and it's been around so for 50, 50 years now. 50 years, and it, yeah, I mean, other jets have come and gone. The F-15 just hanging there because it's so good. It's a, yep. it's a great jet. Uh, read up on the MiG Fox Bath, the 25, though. It is really interesting how we thought it was basically the Firefox. That's where the whole idea right. for Firefox came from. We thought it was that, and then somebody defected with one, and they studied it, and like, it's actually kind of crappy. It goes really yeah. fast. It's it's like giant engines and a cockpit. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's it. A straight line, and that's yeah. pretty much it. It'll haul it, but that's about it. And it burns up so much fuel. It's like a giant fuel tank. So thank you, Ben. Um, let's see. Uh, Ice Cream Clone says, second ever watch of View from the Gallery. Wow, so good. I only ever remembered Mac and Bo. The Invasion storyline was so B5, but JMS actually set it apart so well from previous conflicts by taking us on a tour of all the major characters and humanizing them. Way to up the game. I have a much higher opinion of this episode now. I bet Andy thinks the alien ship designs are cool, too. Man, I should have read all these before we did our review. Right? (laughs) We've let them all down with our skepticism and cynicism. I, I feel bad now, man. I I don't even remember the ship design. What do the ships look I, like? I don't either. I I only remember the the um what do you call it the uh, the boarding pod. Yeah, I remember the boarding pod because we got it right in the <laughs> I, I, face. I, I right. I I don't remember what they look like. I can't I can't say. And normally he's right. Normally I'm a total ship nerd and would would just love this. But yeah, I just thought that it was so poorly. The whole story was so poorly put together; it just took me right out of it. And, uh, and if if they had been more than just a throwaway alien, I think I I could have gotten more into them. But no, I we'll never, I agree with you. We'll never see the ships again. We'll never see the aliens again. So it was yeah. like, ugh, what a waste. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I, I agree. I I understand what these other folks are saying. I get that perspective completely. But I agree with you in terms of that it it. It had, yeah, it had its problems. Um, again, I'm going to run through these. Ben says, when Bo asks what the floor machine does, it takes me back to my early days as a crew chief. I don't know how many times I did a 15-day clear water rinse on my jet before I finally asked why it was necessary. And I had to ask multiple people because apparently I wasn't the only one who was doing it without knowing why. <laughs> and it had to do with the salty uh, ocean air. Uh, he oh, says, wow. I think I know how the telepaths can afford nice clothes and top-of-the-line hair products. They must be running a business offering VR experiences like piloting a Star Fury. Or how can I put this, let's say, not long after the telepath arcade closes, the hollow brothel opens up in River of Souls. That's true. Yeah. I think we know how they're making their side cash. Right. <laughs> um, middle-aged Geek Tim, Bester is Magneto when he is fighting the X-Men. And Byron is Magneto when he's leading the X-Men. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Ooh, I like that. That's, nice a, that's pers- a neat little... Yeah. Nice perspective from Tim. All right. A couple more. Debbie says, okay, I had to do some catching up as I had surgery a few weeks ago. Uh, I remember hearing in an interview that Tracy Scoggins was a big B5 fan when she watched the first episode of season five. Her gut reaction was to despise this new gal replacing Ivanova, even though it was herself. Also, (laughs) I've always been frustrated with the whole telepath arc because the solution is so simple. Give them the Markab homeworld. Hey, we were just talking about that, right? There you go. Right, right. 
There isn't even a jump gate there, so anyone any so, uh, anymore. So drop them off with a bunch of supplies, station a white star in orbit to provide protection and give them from uh, from possible ex- keep them from possible expanding and let them live their happy kumbaya existence. Voila! All right, good deal. Now let's go back to Londo and Jakar. But didn't they try that on Star Trek, and we ended up with Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan? Yeah, this is City Alpha Six. <laughs> Count the planets when you're going in. <laughs> in. Uh, one of them was Pluto. Uh, anyway, I'm glad I've caught back up. By the way, my son, who was also a big B5 fan, overheard me listening to your show today and enjoyed it so much. He said he was going to go listen from the beginning. You got another new fan. Yay. Thank you, Debbie. Nice. We appreciate that. Way to go. That's Way awesome. to go. Shout Way out to, please to, clap. to him then. Yeah. Appreciate that. All I right. Got co- I got one of my coworkers to listen to our, our thing and to oh. watch Babylon 5 for the first time ever. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh wow! So he's, um, he's, he's now rewatching the whole series and listening to us. Ben apologizes. Oh, okay, cool. Ben apologizes for overloading it, but he says he's got one more thing. When 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 Sheridan and Lynn say, uh, "I'll see you again, a place where no shadows fall." As I was watching the episode this weekend with my wife, I told her about how I almost said this to her when I was deployed to Afghanistan. I didn't because it had been a few years, and I figured she wouldn't get the reference. It would have upset her instead of making her laugh and roll her eyes because I'm such a nerd. There you go. Uh, Finally, Leah G. says, Van, I thought your interpretation of Lita's look when Sheridan thanked her for her help was interesting. I need to watch again. My take on it was that it was more a sarcastic about time you thank me and where are my better quarters look, considering how right. she's been treated? Amen. Yes. Uh, I was you know, also, I, yeah. I just thought of something. She helped rescue Sheridan yes. from bad guys on Mars. If anything, she deserves her own freaking wing on Babylon 5. And, I mean, great. And, Garibaldi and, helps, and he gets promoted to the oh, cabinet. After nearly killing Sheridan and getting him right. captured. Uh, well, not only did Lita rescue Sheridan on, on Mars, she also led the charge to try to rescue him on Zahadum. Right. That right. wouldn't have happened without her. Right. This is true. Um, oh, Leah G also says, I was also thinking about how you were both noting that if the new B5 series were to go to Paramount, it wouldn't see the light of day due to all the Star Treks. I would posit not to lose hope. I'm not. If we look at what is currently out there, Picard ended last year, Discovery ends after this season. Hallelujah. Prodigy was sold off to Netflix, leaving only Lower Decks, which has already had four seasons, and Strange New Worlds two seasons down. I've heard a rumor of Star Trek Academy. I've heard that too, but not sure if that would come, if or when it would come about. In my mind, this leaves room for other sci-fi properties and hopefully Babylon 5. Um, yeah, I, I kind of see what you're saying there, but I still feel like that Paramount would rather just create another Star Trek show than bring right. anything else in, right. unfortunately. I, I think I think the whole Paramount deal is dead now anyway. So. Yeah. Um, let me see. I, I did post your notes versus mine. I posted your, right. your legal pad and my uh, iPad screen with the, with the episode in an inset box while I'm taking notes on uh, Google Docs. Okay. And uh, Drazi, Drazi Green says, Andy's just old school and that's good. <laughs> Allison says, whatever works is fine, which I'd said whatever works, and she's like, great. Right. And then Ben said, um, oh, Ben has a good point here. He just says, Midnight on the Firing Line first aired 30 years ago today, January 26th. So let's yeah. all sit down with a bowl of popcorn and a Jovian sunspot and enjoy our favorite thing in the whole universe. Okay, our second favorite thing. <laughs> I love it. That's really good. Um, and then, let's see. 
you had a couple of get well soons from Leah and Aww. Allison. So thanks, guys. I appreciate that. He is on the mend. All right. Well, that's our commentary. If I'm as always, if I'm, I try to go through that fairly quickly so we don't end up spending as much time reading the mail as we do the entire show. But I really appreciate the great comments. They're really good stuff. I give short shrift to, unfortunately. But um, it's really good stuff, and I appreciate our patrons doing it. If you want to join the patrons and be able to contribute uh, comments and questions and stuff like that, go to www.b5review.com. So on our next installment, it is Learning Curve, 506 Learning Curve. I think of... I think of learning curve and strange relations as like the the Minbari random Minbari show up episodes. Does that kind of ring a bell for you? A, a little, little bit, bit, yes. A little bit. It's like strange Minbari show up to do like ranger stuff or something. I, that's right. all I remember. That's all I got. All right, that's all I got. Uh, I don't have any spoilers this episode. Do you? I don't. You know what, folks? Let's let Andy go to bed then. He needs his rest, and we appreciate you dragging yourself out and uh, and joining us tonight, Andy. Thank you for being here. It is, it is always fun to chat Babylon 5 with you, Vince. Absolutely. So. I'm just glad you're doing better. So, And, and thank, thank your lovely you. wife for uh, for uh, getting you, helping you to survive and come down here. Yeah. Refilling, refilling my wine glass. Too. Refilling your wine glass. All right. I think we will wrap it up then, and we'll see you guys in two weeks for Learning Curve. Uh, and, we, of course, also for the Dune 2 review and maybe the Foundation Part 2, Part 2 review. So we got more stuff coming up and Stargate Universe coming up. So once Andy's healthy, we're going to work him to death again. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you all next time, Andy. Take it easy. All right. Take care, man. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.